World's Finest Podcast, Episode 79. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? Uh, good evening to you, sir. I'm doing well. I assume you're doing very well, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, of course, we spoke a little off the air. I'm tired. Normally, this is where you say, oh, I'm bush, you know, but I'm well, like, I, I Well, I now. am. Yeah, I mean, yeah. been up since 5 a.m. and yeah. we're recording this at 11.20 my time. Yeah, that, yeah. That's exactly. in the p.m. <laughs> yeah, let's just get right to it. All right, first email today is from Dylan, who writes, Hey guys, I just got Wonder Woman from Netflix and watched it, listened to your Earth2.net, the show review, and then wondered something. We've gotten, and I'm sorry, James, a DC animated movie of Superman, that being Superman Doomsday, and we've gotten Batman Gotham Knight, we have Wonder Woman, we have Green Lantern First Flight, and we even have gotten Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Do you think that we will get a DC animated movie of The Flash? I was just wondering, because The Flash is my favorite superhero from DC, and I just think that he should get his share of the DC animated movie universe, since they most likely won't be making a Flash live-action movie anytime soon. Here's my thoughts on this. There isn't. There are only two iconic, and I say iconic loosely with one of these, Flash stories, really, if you think about it. Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that's not a Flash story, but that just has a big Flash moment, the death of Barry Allen. And then Flash Rebirth, the return of Barry Allen. I really don't think that one's iconic, and I reviewed that, and I only thought it was sort of so-so, honestly. Um, but when, you know, there's so many great Superman stories, so many great Batman stories. There's some really good Green Lantern slash Hal Jordan stories. You know, I mean, the that, that uh, what was it called? Uh, Justice League, uh, the one based on Darwin Cook's comic. Uh, oh, oh, Final Frontier? Yeah, Final Frontier. I mean, that wasn't necessarily a Green Lantern story, but it focused heavily on him, you know. Um, so, so, but we'll lump, you know, we'll, we'll put that in his category, too. There's all these other characters that have these stories they could go to. And sure, the Wonder Woman story was pretty much made up just for that movie. They don't have to base it on anything. But with The Flash, I think they probably would. And where are they going to go to get that story? Um, but do I want to see it? Hell yeah. Like, you know, I, I love Wally West. You know, if they were to do it, I'd hope it was Wally. You know, if it was Barry, I'd still give it a watch. But, you know, in my heart, I'd be like, oh, where's Wally? <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What do you think about that? Uh, well, I'm not a big fan of the Flash necessarily, mm -hmm. just because I don't know much about the, uh, the Flash mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember seeing the Flash live action movie, like forever and a decade ago. You mean the TV show? Was there not? Wasn't there a live action Flash movie? No, 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 no. Flash Gordon. Hmm, that's weird. I, I, I are I you thinking about Flash Gordon with the Queen soundtrack and? Um, God, I don't even remember. It's been so okay. long. Yeah, yeah, no. There, there was that TV show a little over a decade ago. Yeah. Hmm. That was it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what I was thinking of then. No, it's uh, okay. But yeah, um, I I don't know. I would probably watch it just because I I would like to watch all of these DC 
animated movies, but I'm going to be honest with you. I still haven't watched Green Lantern First Flight yet. Sir. Or, <laughs> or Crisis on Two Earths, which I don't even own yet. <laughs> At least I own the Green Lantern movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well. But, yeah, I, I'd still see it if they made one, definitely. Okay. All right, next one is from... This is from Aaron. This is one of the most off-the-wall emails we've ever gotten, but it's great. Continuity. In it, Teen Titans is not a Yoda haiku. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't that come as a text message to our voicemail line? No, no, that was an email. Oh, I thought that was a text message. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's good, awesome. Good that's, stuff, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that that is great. I mean, if we could get away with putting trademarked things on t-shirts i'd make that a t-shirt um i I just want to say there's there's something i i you know completely forgot about that um in the last episode what did i call them the titan lords yeah beast boy died they wouldn't become the titan lords i think is what i said and then i said hey someone should go work on those designs well what was the what was the name christian yeah well christian sent in a picture of the teen tyrants (laughs) (laughs) tyrants <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys want to see that image you can go to the earth2.net forums go to earth-number2.net on the left hand side of the page there's that link click it scroll down see i didn't say join the forums because you don't have to join to see it but i hope you join the forums scroll down to the world's finest podcast section and look at the episode 78 feedback thread and uh you'll see the image posted in there it's pretty cool i, I don't think beast boy's in it though well, oh, because I said Beast Boy died. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I just finally got that. After two weeks, I finally got why Beast Boy wasn't in it. Oh, Isn't it amazing when, how that happens? Yeah, I got to bash my head on my desk right now. Oh, my God. All right, well, then we'll just move on here. Yeah. Uh, next one's from Norbert, who writes, Hey, guys, I guess I was half expecting something special for this episode, knowing what a milestone it was, that being our last episode. But... Never have I dreamt to hear Carmina Burana, one of my favorite pieces of classical music, which had its effect of its own. But then hearing the Titans intro, I was like, what? But didn't Mike say he'll never change the intro? My first thought was maybe Mike changed the intro, so that not only is Titans in continuity, I know, by a shirt, right? But he also finally made the change. And then the record slipped. And i got to admit, I never thought that the Teen Titans intro would go this well with, with this classic masterpiece. Awesome surprise. About the other Titans appearing on TV before the series, while you guys were talking about it, an image of Cyborg flashed before uh, before me from Super Friends. I checked it out, and indeed, he did appear in one of the seasons voiced by none other than Ernie Hudson. The Teen Titans cartoon came at a time when I was really into anime, and the show combined two of my favorite things. More so, it was the DC cartoon of my younger bro- uh, that my younger brother really got into. Sure, we watched the other DCAU shows, but this was a show he could really call his own, especially after I got him the first trade paperback of Jeff John's Teen Titans. Kid Flash was his favorite, mostly because he looked a lot like Bart uh, was being drawn at the time. Today he's 16 and is one of the best sprinters in the country in his age category. Uh, Regarding Young Justice, I'm fairly optimistic about it, only because Greg Weissman is one of its producers, the same Greg Weissman who created Gargoyles, one of my favorite cartoons of all time, and was the executive producer on The Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, the heartache. Every time I think of uh, Spectacular Spidey and what a fine show it was, and to be canned for Marvel's answer to the brave and the bold, at least they could have given Spectacular one more season or run the two shows simultaneously. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the 80s Spider-Man cartoon air alongside Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the United States? The '80s Spider-Man cartoon airing alongside Spider-Man. I really don't know. I, I thought I, I thought that was the '70s. Yeah, I, I don't remember there being two Spider-Man cartoons. I, I just thought it was like Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and that was it. I think there was a Spider-Man cartoon, but it was it wasn't the '80s. It was further back than that. Oh, okay. if, it, if it did exist. 
Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think there was something in the 70s. Yeah. It, it was, they they might have run side by side, but it was probably just like reruns and shit, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. When I first heard of the Jonah Hex movie, I couldn't have been more excited. I guess I still had the last good Western film I saw in mind, which was 310 to Yuma. And then I saw the trailer for Hex. They kind of lost me at the moment when the CG crow exits his uh, mouth and he talks to and revives the dead guy. I'm not even going to comment on the fact that Megan Fox plays the love interest. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some good Jonah Hex in the form of DC Showcase Jonah Hex. I quite enjoyed the Spectre one. And it saddens me that we won't get a sequel to Wonder Woman. However, I just read that Green Lantern, the animated series, has been confirmed for the 2011-12 television season. I guess this shouldn't come as a shocker with the live-action movie being in production. You guys rock. Until next time, no Thank you. Um, A couple of things. A lot of people sent in emails telling us about Cyborg having appeared on Super Friends. Thank you guys for correcting me on that. You know, if we don't read your email on the air, or at least that portion of the email, that's why. Because there were just a ton of them, and it would just get overly redundant. As for the theme for Episode 78, I've had that planned for, like, a year. Yeah, he really has, Yeah, (laughs) it's probably been a little longer than that. And then, you know, the little bit, you know, the record screeches, and then, you know, we hear Tara Strong as Raven saying Teen Titans isn't in continuity. That, you know, much thanks to Mike Blanchard for, you know, he interviewed Tara, Tara Strong a while back. We played a couple of ch- clips of uh, her as um, Batgirl? Uh, yes. Was it Batgirl? Okay. Yeah. yeah. When Mike re- uh, interviewed her then, he got that one, but I was holding it off for this episode. And then I was like, oh, I can, I know how I can use it with the theme. And I thought it worked all great. You know, it was a little joke. I was just having a little fun with you guys. I hope you understand that. <laughs> I think they do. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to send, uh, you know, if you want to find me with your torches and pickaxes, I live in uh, Atlanta. Yes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, that, that, that's all the theme was. It was just me having fun. As you saw, you know, I should say, as you heard with this one, you know, we're back to the to the old theme. Next one's from Chris, who are... Uh writes, Aloha, Mike and James. I thought I'd answer the question about Flash's vacuum exposure in an email. I had chimed in on the forums earlier, and I'll repost this if you want to forego the long-winded explanation. As I've never heard James go by Jim, I'll forego the Star Trek reference. (laughs) I'm not an astronaut, but I am a doctor, which should qualify me as a science type. Short version, they got the science right. There are three issues, pressure, temperature, and oxygen. As far as the pressure, you will not explode. Soft tissues can swell, but this is reversible. You may have some ruptured uh, capillaries in your skin and eyes. Saliva may boil away. The most acute concern is that if you try to hold your breath, your lungs will rupture as the air forces its way out. Watch when Flash is blown out, though. His mouth was wide open the whole time, exactly what he should have done. Also, keep in mind that the pressure difference is about the same as that between diving at 33 feet and sea level, so the bends are a possibility. For temperature, space isn't technically cold because... Temperature is the average heat in a substance. No substance. We lose heat three ways. Radiation, giving off infrared. Conduction, hold a cold can of soda and your hand gets cold as the heat is conducted into the can. And convection, wind chill is the best example. The only one that works in space is radiation, and that's slow. Other things kill you long before this will. Oh, and you can get some nasty sunburn from exposure to UV with no atmosphere to block it, especially for redheads. 
Oxygen is the biggie, though. Loss of oxygen typically causes loss of consciousness in 10 to 15 seconds. This is based on a subject in a leaking pressure suit and vacuum at NASA's Manned Space Flight Center in 1965. From there, you can develop increased swelling, sunburns, the bends, etc. Based on the little human data coupled with animal data, if the subject is repressurized within 90 seconds, survival is typical, with most of the damage being reversible. Maid of Honor had the science much better than most movies. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that because I know I was calling for somebody to answer that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Next one is from Robert writes, uh, I think this email is a tiny bit shorter than the last one. I wanted to try and rationalize James' complaints about the police probes in Sisters. My guess is that the Tamaranians aren't commonly found in Earth's sector. So for simplicity or to save money, the probes were programmed to only scan for Tamaranian DNA or physiology and not necessarily anything specific to Blackfire. Once the first probe got a read on Starfire, the rest were coded specifically to her and didn't care whether another Tamaranian showed up because it was assumed the first Tamaranian they found would be the only one they're looking for, hmm. given the dearth of their species in the search area. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good explanation, yeah. Yep. As for the accusations of bodily harm once WFP is over, I know you guys have other podcasts like Earth2.net, the show, but I honestly don't have the interest or background to follow most of them. While I'm a big fan of comics and comic book characters, my ongoing reading list pretty much consists of DC Vertigo and Dark Horse titles. I get my mainstream DC news from a more avid comic reading friend, and since Runaways is currently being retooled, I've all but stopped reading uh, or following Marvel. But I have listened to some of For Your Ears Only, in addition to the Schumacher and Nolan Batman reviews on the show. Please, please, please give us the Dark Knight review soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say when it's going to come. I, I don't know. You know, with everybody's schedules, it's just crazy. It's crazy to even think about, you know. Yep. Um, but I do want to remind everybody that, um, you know, okay, this, of course, is airing. This episode of WFP is airing on Wednesday the 9th of June. On Thursday, the 10th of June, make sure to come back to earth2.net or go to iTunes and look for it. What I'm telling you to look for is the very last episode of For Your Ears Only. Ian is a really good friend of ours. Y'all know him. He's a great friend of the show. He's he's mm-hmm. he's he's the bestest clip monkey we could have ever <laughs> asked for. I don't even know if we asked for it. I th- we didn't even ask. He was no, just like, he hey, just... I'm going to do this awesome thing. And we're like, awesome. Yep. So, um, you know, make sure you go and listen to the very last episode of that program. Um, it's going to be, if you've never heard it before, it's, it's seriously one of the funniest, best shows Earth2.net puts out. And I just have a feeling that final episode, he's just going to let a dam off his leash and <laughs> a dam's just going to go wild. And I, I, it's just going to be a ball. So yes, go to iTunes and look up for your ears only or go to Earth2.net on Thursday, the 10th of June and, 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 and download that one, guys. Absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For the record, I'm probably one of the nicest, least likely to murder you people you might get a chance, uh, the chance to meet. Slade was and still is my alter ego because he is dark, athletic, and diabolically evil. All things I could probably never be in real life. And honestly, if you could hear Ron Perlman's voice every time you spoke, you'd want to be Slade too. <laughs> Until next time with extra love and tofu bacon, Robert. P.S. <laughs> I can't stop listening to the Batman and Robin review. Seriously, it's angry comedy gold. A particular favorite is James' rant about the travesty disgracefully named as Bane. And though the movie got a well-deserved zero, I give your scathing critique a solid five out of five. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Now we have a text message. Uh, so I don't – I'm not sure the name who it's from, but uh, it says, Love the show, DCAU nerds that cuss and think exactly like I do about the shows. 
Although every time I listen to the show, I've got to go back and watch the shows you talk about. Today I watched Starcrossed, and later today I'm watching Return of the Joker. Thanks for the great show, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, whoever you are. Yes. <laughs> All right, next one's from Layla, who writes, Hey, Mikey and Jimmy, or Mike yeah. and James. I always wanted to call you guys that. I'm going to let you guys in on something. In my private life, my family, and my uh, very close friends... Uh, like my roommates who live with me, they all call me Jimmy. So oh. Have my whole life. Oh, wow. So I only go by James at work, school, and on the internet. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I write under my full name, Michael David Sims, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm Mike otherwise. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, rarely does anybody in my real life, including my mom, call me Michael. It's sort of like me using my real full name as a pen name. If that makes any sort of sense, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, calling me Mikey, though, mm, I don't know about that. But I'll let it slide this time. When I, when I hear the the phrase, hey, Mikey, I think of, what was uh, it Kick Cereal? Um, or Life Cereal? I can't remember which life. one. It was Life. It was Life, yeah. 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 Um, I've listened for a while, but started to, uh, decided to email with this little news blurb. A Green Lantern cartoon has been announced to debut around the time of the 2011 movie. The announcement of the new Young Justice show. 2012, I think it's coming out about a year after the movie. And the announcement that the third season of Brave and the Bold will be its last. I was wondering, do you guys think that they should tie these cartoons together into a new DCAU, or should they all just exist in their own continuities? No, they should exist in their own continuities. I mean, you have to realize that what happened with the DCAU, that wasn't their initial intent. You know, it just happened. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, here's Batman. Oh, here's Superman. Oh, let's cross them over, you know? You know, and then we have this new, newly designed Batman, and things just kept progressing from there. I mean, if you really think about it, what did they do after that? Batman Beyond, and then Static, and Zeta. You know, they, they kind of stepped away from the DC, you know, the, the main universe for a while. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, but we have Justice League and Teen Titans, we could do this. It really was just a happy accident. And if you were to set out to create something like that, chances are it's going to fail. You know, Marvel's trying it now with their movies. And so far, they're only connected in little ways. Once the Avengers movie comes out, we've kind and we kind of see like the end game. It might be a big, big mess. You really can't plan something like that out. So no, let them let, let them be separate. They don't they don't all need to be in the same universe. Yeah. yeah. P.S. What do you guys think of the cancellations of both Spectacular Spider-Man and Wolverine and the X-Men? I personally love both of them. They were some of the best representations of the characters yet. I find it unfortunate that they both received the notice after a handful of episodes were produced for new seasons and that we will never see them. What sucks even more is that the latter ended on a cliffhanger, the Age of Apocalypse. Hmm. I never followed the Wolverine and the X-Men cartoon. I did watch the Hulk versus DVD, and I know the Hulk versus Wolverine segment in there did tie into the the cartoon or or it was supposed to i don't know if they ever actually got to the sequel to that episode and i love that cartoon it was great you know maybe one day i'll like netflix the dvds of that uh of wolverine and the x-men so i can't speak about that when it comes to the spectacular spider-man i watched that first season thought it was awesome awesome cartoon and i think i might have watched a little of the second season and then i just sort of lost track of it you know so i think it's a shame that they are getting rid of it but that's that's just the way it is. There's nothing we can really do about it. You know, what about you, James? Oh, I too have never watched a single episode of Wolverine and the X Men or but I and neither I've not watched any of uh Spectacular Spider Man either. Uh but like you I did see Hulk versus I loved it. It was 
awesome. And yeah, they did tie together. I know Stephen Bloom uh, did the voice of Wolverine in both Hulk versus and the show. Mm. So that was at least one way to tie it together. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've kind of wanted to check out the Wolverine and X-Men show, but I just, you know, I have way too much to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. It's hard for me to just jump into new series. Yeah. It really, really is. Yeah. But who knows? Probably one day. Cause you know, I am a, I'm a still a big X-Men fanboy. Next one is from Monica, writes, Hello, guys. I listened to episode 78. Those episodes, with the exception of Nevermore, are some of my least favorites. Personally, I don't get the dislike for the animation. Here in Mexico, all we had was anime on TV for our, a lack of cartoons of our own. So I have a taste for the look. Anyway, Mike, for Martha Wayne's stories, there is an arc in Batman Family, the 2002 series. In that story, we get to see the young Martha before she got married to Thomas having some troubles with her boyfriend, a member of the Falcone family. The writer is John Francis Moore in Pencils by Stefano Gaudiano. I've never heard of that. Have you? No, I don't think I have. I'll have to go search it out, though. About the Jonah Hex movie, I hope that all the magic things are just a trick, like in the new Sherlock Holmes movie. At the end, you explain all the tricks. And even if it's magic and voodoo, I'm still going to see it just because it's a Jonah Hex movie. Keep up the good work, Monica. Yeah, like like I've said all along, I'll still go see it. I'm just really worried right now. That That's all yeah. it comes down to. Me you too. Know, I mean, I had really high hopes for it, and they've just... That, that trailer killed a lot of them. But I said it before, Josh Brolin as Jonah Hex... Come on, come on! And of course, what's his face isn't it? Um, John Malkovich. John Malkovich. You know, so we'll see. We'll see. You know, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm reserving judgment until I actually see it. All right. The movie I am really excited for this summer, though, is Scott Pilgrim. Have you seen the clips and trailers for this thing, James? I have not. Oh, it looks so good. That's what people tell me. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, the the trailers start out like it's going to be your normal Michael Sarah teen dramedy type thing oh yeah no i take that back i did see a yeah and a then for it before um kick ass yeah and then all of a sudden he's just getting the shit kicked out of him and it turns out he has to go beat up all these people that are the exes of this girl he wants to get with you know mm -hmm. and there's all these video game references because it's based on a comic book series it was five graphic novels are out the sixth one is coming out in just a few months i think july right before the movie so it's based on that series and that series is very it has a lot of you know comic book and video game references in it and the guy who's directing it edgar wright is the guy who did you know hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and he's keeping them in there and it looks so good and so funny i mean seriously when you see the trailer at first you're gonna roll your eyes and be like oh god michael Sarah's doing this again but then all of a sudden it's like oh this is different this is a lot different than I thought it was going to be, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, it's like it comes out in August, and I'm like, no, I want this yesterday. <laughs> Next email is from Christian, who writes, hello, duckies. <laughs> now that you've become the awesome Teen Titans, fuck the haters. I have oh, a few questions. No, 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 no don't, don't fuck the haters. Just, you know, <laughs> warmly embrace them and tell them, you know, please continue to listen to the show and, you know, look, look, it's still a good program. Don't don't be harsh with them. No, no, don't do that. That's mean. 
I love how your voice just kind of trails off. Yeah, I know. I can do that pretty well. <laughs> Firstly, are there any characters from the other DCAU shows you would have liked to have seen appear on the program? Also, are there any characters that did not make it into the DCAU that you would have liked to have seen, such as Connell or Rose Wilson? And finally, what are your thoughts on the voice actors of each of the five Titans? Looking forward to your next batch of reviews. For the most part, I'm really pleased. Uh... I think each voice actor is bringing a lot to the character. They make they're all unique. Tara Strong can do no wrong, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, hey, I rhymed. Awesome. <laughs> um, I love, 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 love Hinden uh, Walsh. Uh, That's uh, uh, Star Starfire. Starfire. Yeah. Yes, she is just so awesome, and her portrayal of Starfire just gets the kind of I don't want to say ignorance of the character, but that really is an accurate description because she is apparently still new to this planet and she doesn't understand the you know the ways of humans and and it, it just, her voice acting really brings that out it's it's just such a great quality and uh and and for the you know the male voice actors again the, it, everybody is unique and i love it I, so far i have nothing but positive things to say about them yeah there's there's no one that's disappointing me at all. I think in the first couple of episodes, they hadn't quite nailed the voices yet. They seemed a little different than what I was used to, mm -hmm. uh, like later on down the line. But that that's a learning curve thing. I mean, if you watch those early episodes of BTAS, Kevin Conroy hasn't quite nailed Batman and Bruce Wayne. You know, yeah. that, that changed very much over the course of the program and of the DCAU. There's just so much emotion. There's so much character, so much depth just in their voices. It's 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 absolutely amazing what they're doing. I, I think they're wonderful. All right. Uh, next one's from Nolan who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I discovered this podcast last fall, and I love it. I've been a fan of the DCAU since seeing my first episode of BTAS the first week it aired, hmm. and I enjoy listening to your thoughts and opinions about the shows. You've mentioned several times that you hope uh, that your show gets to people to uh, gets people to go back and check out all the shows you're covering. Well, like before I came across your show, I had already seen every episode of Batman, Batman Beyond, Superman, and the Justice League shows. I had not seen any of Static or Zeta, and I had only seen one or two episodes of Teen Titans. Largely because of your show, I picked up the Zeta Project and Teen Titans DVDs, and have also checked out the first season of Static Shock. I'm enjoying Teen Titans quite a bit uh, so far. I also like the first season of Zeta well enough, and if they ever get around to releasing Season 2, I'll probably check that out as well. Static Shock, on the other hand, is just not for me. I'm not crazy about the overall look of the show and the music and a lot of the dialogue feel really dated. I plan to check out some of the crossover episodes as well as some of the socially conscious episodes that you guys lauded, but yeah, that show's just not really up my alley. Regarding Episode 78, I agree with you guys that Nevermore was the best episode out of the initial batch of episodes that you reviewed. I have to comment on some of James' problems with the fu with uh, Final Exam. I can definitely understand why James has a timeline problem with the Hive being able to turn in, turn Titan's Towers into Titan Tower <laughs> into an H in what appears to be no more than a few hours, maybe a day at the most. It didn't bother me simply because Teen Titans is so cartoony overall. In the same episode, we see Titan's Tower dancing because of the fight happening inside. <laughs> I don't recall if it's the same episode or not, but we also see things like the characters shrinking down to toddler size when they're frightened, among many other unrealistic cartoony elements. Eh, that's just that's an anime influence right there, if ever there was one. To me, the Hive being able to apparently instantaneously change Titan's Tower into Hive Tower seems to basically fit the show's overall tone. Again, I can definitely understand why James has an issue with it, but for me, it works with this show. 
Looking forward to the next one, Nolan. P.S. James, I loved listening to yours and Dub's review of Murder Set Pieces on Earth2.net, the show, episode 407. Just hilarious stuff. And I will definitely be taking your advice and not seeing that abomination. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good, really fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our last email today is from Eric, who writes, Hello, I love the review of Starcrossed. Anyone who didn't love it have have been flogged, I'm sure. I, I did want to address an issue that you had about the liver of the Gordanians being frozen. I don't think that the government agencies would freeze the bodies once they got them. They would most likely either put them in formaldehyde or just keep them at a low, non-freezing temperature. I imagine they would be doing the same as Batman and start examining them as quickly as possible, finding weakness just in case the Thanagarians might not succeed in quote-unquote protecting them. I would I say that they wouldn't freeze them because if they are... Uh, uh, water-based and all, it seems as most of the entities in the DCAU have similar physiologies, then freezing them would cause the water in the cells to expand, destroying the tissue, and most of the information they might be able to access from their dead bodies so that Earth might be able to defend itself in case of another attack would be gone. Examining the cellular tissue damage is how I believe Batman figured out that they had been frozen. Uh, Just had to make the review of Starcrossed that much better. Also, Lex Luthor is the war chief. (laughs) <laughs> oh, for those of you that don't listen to Bigger on the Inside, you're so not going to get that joke. But that's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think it was over at the forums. Maybe someone else wrote in. I don't remember. But they did correct uh, what I, I think I was the one that said it. I was the one that brought up the whole Frozen thing, right? Or was that you? Uh, uh, that was – well, I don't – I think it was you, but I, think it I was. could be wrong. Um but yeah, I think over at the forums, people were like, no, you, you don't freeze corpses. You just put them in a refrigerator. And I was like – Oh, that's right. I used to watch Six Feet Under. I forgot about that. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was my mistake. And, again, thank you guys for writing in to correct me. And finally up today is a text message. Uh, this is pretty much a great way to end this, I think. And here- this one, I, I, I want to say this one's from Steve Rogers. I think it was signed, but it came as, like, three different texts. And when I put it all together, I think I accidentally deleted the the signature on this one. So pardon that. That would make sense. It says, didn't hear a text in a while, so continuity be damned. Go Titans, go. And by the way, have either of you been checking out the JLA with Dick Grayson at the helm? Oh, and how could I forget? Just buy the shirt. (laughs) Visit the store at (laughs) earth2.net. Am I checking out the JLA book with Dick at the helm? No. No. It's, I have heard nothing good about it uh, when I've skimmed through issues. I like Mark Bagley, don't get me wrong, but I don't know what's going on with him with his tenure at DC, his artwork looks like crap. It really does. It looks rushed and unfinished. I don't know if it's his inker not knowing how to ink the guy or finish uh, loose pencils of his. I don't know what's going on, but it looks bad. And just writing-wise, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. And again, like I said, I haven't been hearing anything good. And I, I really wish, you know, Dick Grayson as Batman had a great run in the Justice League, but that's not how it's looking like it's going to be. Let me go! Friends, why do you attack us? Oh, they're not your friends anymore. They are my puppets. These are your friends. Starfire! Raven! Help! Release them. Sorry, but you're not in charge here. You don't command me. I command you. And with the puppet king pulling the strings, the Teen Titans will command the entire city. 
All right. First up today is Switched. And this one, it opens up with some weirdo named Mofir, or I'm excuse me, uh, Puppet King, uh, playing out his own fantasy of the Teen Titans being his marionettes and surrendering to his um, might. Uh, after the title, we see Raven meditating and Starfire comes in and interrupts her, which is followed by the rest of the Titans bursting in and ruining her quiet. They have a crate in hand, and when they open it, they see the puppets of themselves from earlier. They they think they're cool and all, and they start playing around with them. And uh, but later that night, we see that the puppet king stowed himself away in the box, and he starts taking control of the titans one by one uh, by imprisoning their souls in their puppet counterparts. So he has all three of the male titans, uh, I guess, imprisoned. And Starfire, though, had been wandering the halls because she heard these strange noises, and she ends, uh, ends up waking Raven up, and the boys enter the uh, enter the hallway and start attacking Raven and Starfire, and uh, the Puppet King reveals himself with a controller that is forcing the Titans' bodies to attack them. So the girls are uh, captured, and their spirits are taken, but Raven manages to use her spellcasting uh, right as she loses consciousness to knock the controller away, which frees their spirits. Um, they So they get away, but when they catch their breath uh, and, and they hide away in a ventilation shaft or something, lo and behold, they see that Starfire's spirit is in Raven's body <laughs> and Raven's spirit is in Starfire's body. <laughs> so they, they're in a heap of shit right here. Yeah. Um, they do manage to get out of Titan's Tower while uh, Puppet King sends the zombie Titans after uh, the girls. Uh, Starfire in Raven's body is panicking, and she's accidentally causing objects all over the street to dissolve, fly around, or just explode. And uh, Raven in Starfire's body tells Starfire to calm down because her powers are controlled by emotion. The more she freaks out, the more her powers are going to go haywire. At this point, Zombie Beast Boy spots the girls from the sky, and they start to run away. And uh, Raven asks Starfire how she flies, and Starfire says something straight out of Peter Pan. Just think of the unbridled joy of flight, and it will happen. <laughs> Raven can't really feel unbridled joy, so she asks how to use Starbolts instead, to which Starfire says, Righteous Fury. And this is really funny, because Raven wants some clarification on this, so she asks, Your alien strength? And Starfire says, Boundless confidence. <laughs> Raven is just like, fuck this. They start running off. And uh, since Raven can't fly in Starfire's body, she tells Starfire that to levitate, she must concentrate and say Azeroth Metreon Zenthos spell. So she just blurts it out, and they just go <laughs> launching into the air, flying all over the place. And uh, Starfire does actually manage to get them away from the zombie titans, but... Uh, when she asks how to stop, uh, Raven's like, you just have to look at the ground and think, oh, and she looks at the ground, they just <laughs> fall into a massive trash pile. And uh, after the zombie titans walk away, Puppet King reveals that a ceremony is going to take place. And we don't know what this is as of yet. Uh, the girls then start arguing because Raven is her usual emo self and Starfire is just over-eager to go save the boys. Um, and Star Raven's like, you know, you just you don't know anything about me, yada yada yada. So Starfire says, you know, you're right. If we're going to overcome this problem, we have to know all about each other and just understand where we're both coming from. So Raven agrees, and she begins to tell her all about her background. And so next we see them outside an abandoned movie theater, and Starfire uh, coaches Raven into flying by thinking happy thoughts, huh. and uh, she succeeds, and they do get onto the roof, and. Uh, 
uh, Starfire is like, oh, what was your joyful thought? And Raven says, you don't want to know. But Starfire insists, and Raven says, you not talking? <laughs> so Raven really feels legit bad about having to admit that. But, yes. But then she focuses Starfire and tells her to find her center and focus on the lock to the rooftop uh, door. And she says the magic words, and the lock breaks. So they go inside, where Puppet King is about to drop the puppet titans into a magical flame that will kill them and make their bodies subject to Puppet King's will forever. Uh, Starfire manages to save them with Raven's powers, and they start fighting the zombie titans all over the the theater. Um, While fighting, Raven tries several times to get the Starbolts to work, but she can't. But uh, finally, after they subdue the zombie titans, she sees Puppet King again about to drop the puppet titans into the flame, and she unleashes a massive starbolt at Puppet King, which knocks him away and sends the controller into the flame, destroying it. And this causes the titans to get their bodies back. And uh, a side effect is it also destroys the Puppet King, because his soul was, I guess, tied to the magic in this controller. And uh, w- without it, he just reverts to being a puppet. Uh Later in the tower, Raven is meditating, and again, she's interrupted by Starfire. And She starts to get a little snooty, but Starfire says she only wants to meditate with Raven. And Raven is surprised and actually eagerly lets her join in and says, you know, how about we go to the mall later? <laughs> That's yep. where it ends. What are you thinking? I really like this one. Yeah, me too. You know, I mean, it gets the boys out of the picture, and because really, you know, I think a lot of people viewing this, you know, the, the the primary demographic was going to be young boys. I'm sure there were a lot of young girls that watched this, but it was probably mostly boys. And so the boys were going to view, well, the boy characters as the cool ones, you know? Well, let's get them out of the picture and show them just how cool these two female characters are, too. And I think this episode does a really good job at that. And it doesn't just do it through action. It, it does it through letting us get to know the characters by letting them get to know each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we don't really see the scene where they talk about their past, which then allow them to get to know each other better and the powers and so on and so forth, but we know it happened. And there's other little things along the way that, again, let us get to know the characters. So I, I think it was um, a really smart move on, on their part, putting the spotlight on Raven and Starfire. Yeah, what about you? Oh, I, I agree. I I dig this one because this, along with several of these first season episodes, uh, really builds chemistry between pairs of the Titans. Yeah. Um, There's another one coming up. Yeah. Not a great episode, but really good chemistry between two of the characters. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So, yeah, I I know this is it's a funny episode, but it's got a lot of action and it's got it's got a a little bit of a horror element to it with the just the whole puppet king throwing the Titans into the fire thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it really was a cross-genre episode. It was really good. Um, my, I think my only gripe with this episode is just how dumb do the Titans have to be to open an unaddressed crate sent to their tower? <laughs> yeah, I mean, had Beast Boy done it, I would have just been like, okay, it's Beast Boy. He's very yeah. impulsive, not the brightest bulb, you know? <laughs> yeah. But Cyborg's really concerned about security, you know? And he just opens up the crate. You know? <laughs> I know, and he, I believe he's the one that even says it doesn't have an address on it. Robin said that, I think. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. But yeah, they're all like, whatever, ooh, look, toys, wow. 
And then they don't check the crate. And it turned out there was actually a person in there. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that when I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, that's a little suspicious that they're not worried about it. But eh, I could kind of let it go. You know, it wasn't a big, big gripe. At least not for me. I don't know. The the rest of this episode, in terms of notes that I have, is just little goofy, funny things. Like... uh, just Starfire blasting the street sign, and the little red guy on the street sign looks like he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Was this the one where the girls bump into each other and Raven's hair turns into a raven? Like, they uh-huh. see each other in the tower and they both scream and freak out? Yeah. I think, and then yeah. Raven's hair it turns into, like, a big purple raven. You know, that was kind of cool. And I think when her essence went back into her body, like, right when it hit her physical form, it, again, was a raven-shaped. Um... So, yeah, there's a lot of cool little things in, in uh, this episode here. Um, I We had an almost dumpster alert when they fall right. into the trash pile. They just barely missed the dumpster right yeah. next to I was, I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the opening of this episode was really creepy, too. Oh, yeah. With, you know, the marionettes, and then we see someone, you know, we see the guy who's doing it, and it's really menacing, and then I was just like, oh, wow, this is this is darker than I remember it being. I was wondering if you were going to be annoyed by Mo Fear voice again. <laughs> is it the that, same guy? Yeah, it's it's definitely the same guy. Okay, no, it didn't bother me here. I actually quite liked it here. Bob the Goon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know the Puppet King comes back at least in that, big two-part battle you know with all the villains at the end of the series mm-hmm. but does he come back like in the series itself before then do you know i don't know off the top of my head it really doesn't make sense for him to do that yeah because he's kind of dead yeah kind of sort of really dead yeah oh no, another kind of freaky thing i have to note here is when uh the girls get into the theater and they're fighting the titans and I want to say it's Starfire and Raven's body who looks up and sees Robin just flying down at her, and his face is all like <laughs> flapping in the wind. Mm-hmm. It's really weird, but I, I, it was cool, actually. So, yeah. Well, while we're speaking about faces, Starfire's face is off throughout this whole thing. Yes, I know Raven's in her body, okay? I get that. But it should still look like Starfire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I kind of get what you're saying, but I I overlooked that just because it was Raven and her. I guess her uh, facial expressions kind of just leaked into the character. Yeah, I don't, I, but I, I but I do get I do get what you're saying there. I can understand you having a gripe with it. Raven's face still looks like Raven, just the eyes are a little different because Starfire's being kind of mopey in Raven's body, you know? But it still looks like Raven. You honestly, if the if if the skin weren't orange, you wouldn't be able to tell that was supposed to be Starfire. The face is way like I, I'm fine with the with the the face frowning, the eyes being shaped a little differently. That's fine, but for it to be as off as it was, that really bugged me. It did. No, I, I hear you saying. I do think though that it was it correct. It got corrected hmm. um, in the fight scene at the fu- at the end mm-hmm. uh, when Raven and Starfire's body is flying around uh, trying to avoid Gorilla Beast Boy and Cyborg. So yeah. I, I I think it looked fine there at least. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever notice what Beast Boy did? Uh, when 
um, when they first got the dummies, like Robin's oh. like, they got all the details oh. just right. Beast Boy yeah. pulls open his dummy's trousers, yeah. looks down them, and he says, speak for yourself. There's a slight pause, if I remember correctly, and then he says, I'm way better looking than this. Yeah, you know? I remember and, that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why is he looking at his dummy's junk? What the <laughs> hell is he doing? You know? <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. I meant to make a note of that in the moment, but I think I got like distracted by something when I was taking my notes, and I just forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, when, you know, the three guys start having their dummies fight and all that, it was getting very three stooges ish, the dummies, you know, yes. I mean, they, they weren't quite doing the, the sounds, but you know, like one would go to hit the other and he'd hit the wrong guy and they trip over each other, was, shove one into the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that was, that was kind of cool. Yep. Um, and I really thought they found an inventive way to do body switching with Raven and Starfire, where their souls were stolen, but it was Starf or Raven's power that caused the device to kind of malfunction, right? Yeah. And then the souls just went into the wrong bodies. Like, that was kind of interesting, you know, because I'm a child of the 80s, where those body switching movies were happening all the time, all the time. You know, so you kind of saw the same things happening over and over. And here they did it a little different. So that was good for them. Yeah. Oh, and did you happen to notice the billboard that had the Flash logo on it? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, it's in the background. We see it. Well, it's in one scene, but we see it twice. Like, uh, I think Starfire as Raven is flying. And then like a building passes in front of it. And then we see it again. But it's the circle with the lightning bolt through it. Huh. So, I, I don't know why they threw that in the background. I told the whales to bring you here. Okay, uh, thanks. Oh, yes, truly, truly, thank you so much for saving us. He saved you? Hello? I was there too, you know. You stopped Triton from kebabbing us with that souped-up shrimp fork? Way to go! Well, I was gonna, but... I'm Aqualad. Sorry I didn't introduce myself earlier. We Atlanteans try to keep a low profile. Good job. Don't think anybody even noticed you. You are from Atlantis? And so is Trident. He's the worst criminal in Atlantis, with an ego to match. Trident claims he's perfect in every way, so he thinks he can do whatever he wants. Any idea what he wants with all that toxic waste? Whatever it is, it'll be bad for both our worlds. He's already gained some kind of new power. It's like he can be everywhere at once. Notice that. As long as we're after the same guy, maybe we can help each other. Whoa, hey, no, we're good. Got the whole Trident thing under control. Sides, I'm sure there's a school of minnows somewhere that needs your... Uh! We're at the bottom of the ocean. Our sub-Swiss cheese. And we cannot breathe water. We'll take any help you can give us. Next up today is Deep Six. This one opens up with a ship on the sea, because that's where ships go, unless they're spaceships. And uh, <laughs> it's it, they're carrying some sort of toxic goop uh, to somewhere, probably somewhere to dump it. And uh, this, this fish man shows up, and he's all like, Rawr! And they're all like, oh no, there's a fish guy going rawr in our face. And he starts destroying the ship, and it appears like he can be in multiple places at once. And uh, eventually he uh, attaches these clamps to the ship, and the ship goes under. Everybody abandons ship, 
uh, but the ship's gone. Well, of course, the Titans are going to get involved because, you know, well, someone just sunk a ship off their coast and there was, like I said, toxic goop on there. So, if you know, someone may be able to, like, weaponize this radioactive stuff. The Titans don't know. So they get in their ship and I just lost the name of it. The T-ship. Uh, the SS Vargas? No, no, it's oh, the no, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, the T-ship. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the first no, time? No, 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 T-sub, sorry. T-sub, but it's the T-ship. It still flies, though. It's the T-ship, too, though, right? I, I don't know, honestly. That's their I, flying vehicle, too. I can't remember their flying vehicle okay. off the top of my head. So. But this is it the first be. time we've seen it, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. But, yeah, they all get in that, and, uh, you know, they're going down to investigate, and Beast Boy's all like, yeah, I'm the secret weapon, and everybody's kind of picking on him except Robin, and he's like, hey, can y'all breathe underwater? Because, you know what? This guy can. And Robin's like, you know, Beast Boy really does have a skill set that the rest of us don't, you know, get off his back. Beast Boy turns into a whale or something. He starts investigating while they're down there. Uh, Beast Boy sees a shadowy figure. He gives chase. While he's giving chase, the Titans in the sub, they start getting attacked. Uh, and uh, it quickly turns out that Beast Boy was chasing the wrong guy. He was actually chasing Aqualad. Aqualad communicates with Beast Boy through, you know, the telepathy that Aquaman and Aqualad have with the fishes. And he's all like, hey, you got to go help your friends. So they turn around and they go to, to save the sub because um, it's going down. It's just been blasted to holy hell. And um, Aqualad, he has these two whales get under the ship and raise it up and uh, it saves them. He brings them to like a, a, basically like a cave under the water, you know, where there's like an oxygen pocket or something. And, uh, you know, once they're up there, he introduces himself. He introduces his buddy, whose name I completely forget right now. Tram? Tram, that's it, yeah. Who's really good with fixing things. So he uh, he starts working on the T-sub to, to get it ship-shaped again. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, Aqualad offers his help. Um, to, you know, because he wants to find this guy, too. And it turns out that his name is Trident. And uh, he's a really big bad guy of the Sea World. Not of Sea World, but of the Sea Kingdom. Because, you know, never mind. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's the big bad villain of the theme park. You know. So, <laughs> um, you know, their their concerns are dovetailing. So they're going to help each other out. But Beast Boy's really jealous because he was going to be the lead guy on this mission. And all of a sudden, this pretty boy with long hair shows up. And he's all like, hey, I can help. And Beast Boy's like, fuck you. So... <laughs> um, you know, Robin sends them both out because they're the only two that could go look for him. Uh, that's Trident. And, you know, they're bickering along the way and, uh, they find Trident and they start fighting him. Beast Boy breaks the guy's staff and knocks him behind some rocks. In the meantime, Aqualad is fighting him and breaks his staff and knocks him behind some rocks. And it's like, wait, what the hell's going on? And uh, they start talking, and Aqualad's like, where were you during that fight? And Beast Boy was like, I was taking him on, man. Get get off my ass. And Aqualad's all like, nuh-uh, I was. And Beast Boy's like, no, it was me. And uh, so, you know, they continue to bicker. Eventually, they start to figure out that something's not right, that he is appearing in more than one place at a time. Um, some other stuff happens that I can't remember. But they basically discover that Trident has found a way to clone himself, like, millions of times over. And uh, they have to take on all these clones and stop Trident from doing... Is it ever said what he's going to do with the goop? Nope. I didn't think <laughs> so. Um, 
and, you know, stop Trident from doing whatever he was going to do with this goop. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Beast Boy and Aqualad, you know, they... They, they become friends, you know. Uh, Beast Boy's like, you know, you, you, you think you're better than me. And Aqualad's like, no, I don't. And Beast Boy's like, you don't? And he's like, no, maybe you're better than me. I don't care. We just got to stop this guy, you know. <laughs> so Beast Boy feels a little humbled. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, once everything is saved, the, you know, the two guys, they're still competing a little, but it's a friendly competition. And they run off to... Uh, you know, just, just to go have a nice, friendly race, not unlike Superman and the Flash in the Silver Age. And the only thing I really left out is that Raven and Starfire have a crush on Aqualad here. Mm-hmm. You know, Raven first, too. She's all like, woo, woo, and then Starfire pops up with her crush as well. Yep. Uh, did I really miss anything here? No. Okay, what were you thinking? This episode is terrible. Really? Oh, my God, it is awful. Hmm. Um, for, okay. First off, the villain is so laughably over the top. It's just, he's an Atlantean mustache twirler. He is, he is, yeah. Absolutely is. And it, it kind of saddens me that Clancy Brown did his voice. Um, mm-hmm. um, okay, uh, uh, going back to when the sub's getting attacked. Why didn't Raven just use her powers to levitate the sub to the surface? They don't we work see later, water? We see later she can le- levitate a car. But they don't work underwater, maybe? <laughs> Um, and like we were saying in the, uh, the summary there, what was the point of the toxic waste? Yeah, it's never said. I, I, I mean, <laughs> if you want to make the excuse, well, maybe it was used to help try to duplicate himself, then that kind of goes against his whole I'm perfection shtick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I will say I like, there are a couple things I like about this episode, but, and, and those would be like, of course, Starfire and Raven, whenever mm-hmm. they're near Aqualad, just the little pink hearts gushing <laughs> out of their heads. Yeah. Especially, I love it from Raven, because you never expect to see that from her. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but, by that same token, when she was just gushing over Aqualad, shouldn't there have been rocks and shit in that cavern flying all over the place, <laughs> since her powers are driven by emotion? <laughs> Good point, good point. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Just saying, it was in the last fucking episode. <laughs> Quite true, yes. <laughs> and another thing I do like is Beast Boy's idea, his little cleverness there in tricking the trance. So if yeah. you all are perfect, which one of you is the most perfect? That, <laughs> yeah. was, that was nice. I like that. Yeah, that was good. But really, other than that, this I just hate this episode. Although I do think Aqualad uh, has a lot of potential as a, a hero. Liking that character. Mm-hmm. And we should say Aqualad was voiced by Will Wheaton. Of course, you know, uh, Wesley Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. He was, oh, I just forget the guy's name. But from, you know, he was in Stand By Me. Um, and I think he's a good actor and a good voice actor. So it was, it was nice to see him here. Um, I I kind of like this one. I like the fact that it's a Beast Boy-centric episode. I like the fact that they're introducing a brand new superhero into the world. Because is Aqualad the first non-Titan they've introduced? Uh, I mean, they, he, he becomes an honorary Titan, but... You're talking about heroes, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting decision to go with him. Um, I like Aqu- Aqualad's design a lot. I do love the the girls crushing on him. Just the, the the jealousy that Beast Boy's feeling, it's, you know, it's we've all felt that before, you know? We thought we were going to be the guy, and someone else is the guy, and we're like, fuck you, guy, I'm the guy. Nice. Uh, yeah, thank you. 
yeah, I mean, I'm not claiming this one's perfect by any stretch, but there's something about it that just works for me. I guess it's most base level. My main problem with this is Trident in and of himself, because honest to God, he never struck me as a huge threat. Okay. He's just, he's just some massive egomaniacal windbag. Yeah. You know, there, there was a mistake I noticed in this one when Aqualad, I think it was Aqualad was fighting Trident by those pits. Um, like the ones where the fire was coming out and the streams Mm -hmm. of water were coming out. He gets thrown, Trident gets thrown into one of the pits, Trident first, his weapon first, so spikes down. But as he falls in, the spikes are up. But there's not spikes on both ends of his Trident. No. But it's like, oops, you kind of screwed up there, guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, that was like really the only mistake I, I, I really noticed. You know, otherwise, again, I I kind of enjoyed this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then I'll rattle off another problem I have here. I have a problem with how they defeated the Tridents. I mean, you're telling me that several hundred, if not several thousand of those things couldn't just blast their way out of those rocks? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And how exactly was he duplicating all of those Tridents? Not the people, the the, uh, weapons. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but if, you know, if we're going to have them being duplicated, all those things put together, I'm sorry, they can blast some rocks out of the way. <laughs> oh, you're pointing out things I didn't think about. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it's the other way around, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, I kind of, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to justify this one. I kind of think maybe that was just a temporary solution and then maybe Aqualad was going to go get some more fishy people to be all like, hey, we got to stop this guy. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. um, they're going to get out of there. And then when he comes out, there's like this big old army of Atlanteans being like, hey, sup? You know? <laughs> and then the Tridents are just like, damn it. <laughs> but we are perfect. We'll escape from this. <laughs> yeah. Um, is this the first time we've had a Booyah? Um, I don't remember one before now. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. And is this the first episode written by Marv Wolfman? Uh, that because, I don't know. you know, Marv Wolfman, of course, is like the Teen Titans writer. I mean, the team that this cartoon is based off of, um, I want to say... I don't, you know, he didn't create, like, all the characters. You know, Robin was pre-existing. I think Beast Boy was pre-existing. But I think Raven, Cyborg, and Starfire he co-created. I mean, when people think of the Titans, they think of, you know, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. They think of their run. Um, So that may also be another reason why I'm kind of being favorable to this one, because I, I do like Marv Wolfman's writing. So I'm just, I mean, just people like, oh, Marv Wolfman wrote this one. Yay, bonus points. I don't know. <laughs> but if, yeah, if you've got more gripes, please go. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I had a what I thought was going to be a gripe because I really was just annoyed with how Beast Boy was acting all throughout the first half of this episode. Okay. But I, he is the youngest member of the team. He is immature. So I'm, I'm going to let that one slide. Who's slain? You almost got hurt. Next time it could be Nothing. worse. Lead was a dead I'm end. I'm close to a breakthrough. Sure you guys can handle this without me? Robin, where have you gone? <gasps> I'm fine. Get X. Go. 
Huh? Robin? I'm fine! Stand X! Go! I'm fine! Stand X! Go! If you were not really there, then where were... <sighs> Next up is Masks. In this one, the Titans are fighting a group of Slade's henchmen over a computer ship that they're trying to steal. And they do end up getting away with it, and Robin follows after one of them through the sewers, and the guy ends up out, uh, out by a sea cliff, and Starfire intercepts him, but he blasts her, and she falls towards the ocean. And Robin gets there in time, and he re he has to choose between rescuing Starfire or stopping the henchman. Well, he actually manages to do both. <laughs> because because he, he's he, Robin. <laughs> yes. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He pulls a very badass stunt here, mm -hmm. shooting one grapple towards... Uh, Starfire and one towards the uh, the robot henchman uh, flying away, and at this point he doesn't know that it's a robot yet. I don't think uh, because uh, when uh, he stops the thing and gets it to the shore, uh, he he grabs the henchman and demands to know who Slade is. But it turns out that the henchman is a robot with a TV screen in its head. Hmm. And Slade appears on the screen and taunts Robin, and Robin is not pleased by this at all. And uh, later on, there's another robbery, but Robin is out on what he claims is a Slade lead. And the robber this time is a mysterious fellow named Red X. And the four Titans try to stop him, but he somehow knows all of their weaknesses, and he easily takes them down and gets away with the computer chip. So later we see uh, Red X talking via computer link with Slade, offering him the chip for uh, uh, just a partnership, being part of Slade's big plan. And Slade says, trust can't be bought with one simple gift. Uh, steal another one for me, and then I'll, I'll think about it. And uh, so the next time, Red X steals a different chip, but the Titans are more prepared for him. They fight him in a subway, uh, but Beast Boy ends up getting knocked onto the tracks, and he's about to get turned into a pancake, but Red X saves his life and flees, leaving the Titans to wonder just who the hell this guy is. So we see Red X talking to Slade again, and he says, all right, one more theft, and then we'll discuss your future. So after the link is closed, Red X removes his mask, and of course, it's Robin. And later at the tower, the Titans discuss Robin's bizarre obsessive behavior, and Starfire goes into Robin's crime lab in the basement, and uh, she finds a hologram projector that he used to fool the Titans earlier uh, into thinking that he was ensnared by Red X during the second fight. And uh, Starfire figures it out that Robin is Red X. And next, uh, when we see Red X trying to steal the third ship, Slade is waiting for him because he knew all along it was Robin. And uh, the Titans burst onto the scene. Robin goes after Slade uh, while the others fight the army of robots because at this point Robin's uh, Robin removed his mask because uh, just to make show them that he's he is a good guy, of course, and he's after Slade. And um, so Robin confronts Slade on the roof and fights him, but he doesn't have any success at all. And uh, Slade ends up knocking Robin off the roof, but he saves him, just saying he's not through with him. <laughs> That's such a badass line. You yep. saved me. I'm not through with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so um, Robin does eventually get the upper hand, but it turns out that the Slade was just another robot. And Slade broadcasts again through the TV screen in its head, saying that they'll meet soon enough. And... Uh, the, the robot has a timer on it set to explode, and they 
get away from it before it goes off. And back at the Titans Tower, Starfire goes to see Robin in the crime lab and just to ask him why he didn't tell the team about the plan. And Robin's justification is that if they knew about the plan, they would have held back. He had to fool Slade anyway, by any means necessary. And uh, Starfire says to Robin, you know, you and Slade really are a lot alike. Slade didn't trust you, and you didn't trust us. Mm. And she just walks away and leaves him in the room alone, which is it's, it's symbolic because it's a 180 of what's been happening to Starfire all throughout the episode. Yeah. She goes down to see Robin several times, but he just shuts the door on her, kicks her out of the room, just just to be, you know be alone to try and figure out who Slade is. And that's where it ends. What are you thinking? I love this one. <laughs> of course. You know, it's an awesome episode. Yeah. Though I thought Red X was the persona Robin took on in Apprentice. So when, like, this one turned in, you know, when Red X popped up in this one, I was like, that's this one? Really? <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, it's been forever since I had seen Apprentice and Masks, so, yeah, yeah, but, uh, Despite my initial confusion, uh, <laughs> there's really not a whole heck of a lot to, like, not like about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite stuff in this one, though, is if you actually pay attention to Slade, he's dropping clues right from the get-go that he knows that that's Robin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, when they're talking, I think it's when... No, no, it's... After Red X has stolen the first chip, or was it the second? If it's what I'm think, what I think you're thinking of, it's the second one where he keeps where he says the word patience. No, no. It, it, okay, then this is this is something else. So it might be after the. Okay. But yeah, at some point, Slade says to Robin, "Trust is easy to destroy, but it takes time to build." And that's a little clue that he knows it's Robin, and it, Robin's going to get found out, and Robin's going to destroy the the bond he has with his friends slash teammates. Yep, it's it's really cool if you if you listen to it. You know, it's one of those things where when you see it a second time, you pick up on those things. Uh, and like I was saying, he he when he first broadcasts to Robin like five minutes into the episode, if that he's he he says. You have to have patience, Robin, and then he says that to him when he I, – I believe after he steals the second oh, ship. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you got to have patience. Just again, dropping clues. He knows who he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought the Robin-Slade fight was really good. All Robin-Slade fights are great. <laughs> well, the one in Forces of Nature. Remember that is sort of so-so. But, oh yeah, yeah. Excluding that one, they're all really good, and I think they really ramp them up throughout this season. You know, we get this one, and then we get the, you know what I mean? And yeah, because Robin is just getting more and more pissed off, right? Yeah, they just keep getting bigger and better. It's really good. Yeah, I was wondering how, what the hell Red X is shooting at the Titans. Those. Mm-hmm those X things that he's shooting that yeah. sometimes there's something and then sometimes there's something different, but it's like, they're all coming out of the same, I guess, shooter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just happened to watch Red X's second appearance. Uh, what's that one just called X? I think it might be, I can't remember, but I know what episode you're talking mm-hmm. about. And in there, they talk about like the compound Robin needed 
to make the costume run and, you know, to make the gadgets run and all this and that. But they never really get into the nitty gritty on how the tech works. Yeah. Like, oh, if I just think it should be a solid, it's a solid. But if I want it to be goopy, it's goopy, you know? It just is whatever he needs it to be, and they don't explain it. I don't think you'd really hold it against it. And I'm not suggesting you are. No. You know? no. But, yeah, it would be kind of nice to know what's going on there. Or just have it was just confusing. Like, left hand is solid stuff, right hand is liquid stuff or putty stuff, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, there was no uh, distinction. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say the only negative thing I can think think of right now to say about this one is after Robbins found out by Slade and by the rest of the team, save Starfire because of course she figures it out first um, he's his mask gets pulled off and he's in the Red X costume with the Robin mask on underneath, right? Yeah. Well, he's that, he then gives chase of, of Slade and then when we next see Robin and Slade Robin's in his Robin costume Yeah. like I'm sorry for one, you're not going to waste time changing when you're trying to catch this motherfucker. Two, if that Red X costume can all do all that super cool badass shit, you're not going to take it off when you're trying to catch this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you've got cool gadgets and all this, Robin, but not as cool as that shit. Right. You know, I, I could see him getting rid of the costume after this. That's fine, you know. But when he's trying to catch Slade, use it. Use the tools you have, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what else do you have about this one? Oh, I, I, again, going back to Slade's psychological warfare against Robin, just at, uh, when they are confronting each other on the rooftop, I loved his line. I, I don't remember it by heart, but where he's he's talking about, you know, how wasn't it wasn't very noble of you to steal those chips to trap me yeah <laughs> just really just furthering just the dagger yeah uh one i think he says something like two wrongs don't make a right that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um and we get more of that later on in car trouble cyborg and raven steal a car to try to get a stolen car back mm-hmm. like really okay they, you guys they are stole a car from lessons. car thieves yeah <laughs> Okay, granted, yeah, they were stealing them from bad people, but still, you know, come on, come on. <laughs> um, and I really think that Starfire's final words to Robin in this one sting hard. Hell, yes, I love that ending. Yeah, because, you know, throughout the whole episode, she doesn't want to believe it. She really doesn't. And she finds, you know, wait, is that this one? Or is that Apprentice? Now I'm getting the two confused again. Well, yeah, what you're it's saying Apprentice. is Apprentice. Yeah. But it's still the... It doesn't take away from the uh, the her parting words to him, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, her heart is broken. Is really what it is, mm-hmm. and you know that that he that she feels that he couldn't trust them, and it's not that she feels it. I mean, he honestly couldn't. Um, so, you know, her saying that in her own Starfire way, she she's the one care. Like it, they could have had anybody say it, but because it came from her, it hurts more. And it's a very powerful way to end this episode, I thought. I mean, it ends it on a real bummer, on a real down note, you know? Yeah. And it should. This one shouldn't end all happy and be wrapped up in a nice, neat bow. Because we see that they're still thinking something's up with Robin in Apprentice. There's some continuity there. Mm -hmm. You know? So, yeah, they they come back to this. The the elements uh, started in this one. Yeah. And again, 
great voice acting from Hinden Walsh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She might be my favorite voice actress on this show. In <laughs> fact, I'm, I'm positive she's my favorite voice actress, with all due respect to Tara Strong. Huh? Am I the only one who has no idea where we are? Why, you're right where you belong, my duckies. You're in school. That's right, lads and lovies. You're the only students at Mad Mods Institute for bratty teenage do-gooders. And it's high time someone taught you sprogs a lesson. Next up is Mad Mod. Or on the DVD, it's called Detention. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm thinking maybe Detention was like the working title for it. And somehow that accident, like on one of like one of the scripts, and that somehow got into the DVD production crew's hands. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, all five Titans wake up in a like a school. It seems like it's some sort of school or something, and uh, they are prisoners of the very stereotypical. <laughs> I should finish that word. Stereotypically British Mad Mod, <laughs> and. Because he's older than them, and he says this, because he's older than them, he's bigger, he's badder, he's stronger, he's smarter, and he wants to teach these troublemakers a lesson. And the lesson he wants to teach them is manners and respect. And he's going to beat it into them if he has to. He drops them all through the floor, uh, tries hypnotizing them, we focus on Robin to start, and uh, throughout most of the episode, actually. And uh, he's able to break free because his chair falls over, and he's able to get his hand out. Gets himself free. He has some run-ins with Mad Mod. But this world is just crazy. You know, Robin's running on the floor. Mad Mod's running on the ceiling. When Robin jumps for him, he can't reach him. And then the world goes topsy-turvy, and Robin falls down. Gravity's affecting him, but not Mad Mod. You know, chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. One room into the next. Some look identical. Eventually, he starts hearing uh, Starfire scream. He goes to save her. Um, gets her out of her restraints, and what, what's been done to her is she's in a library, and a giant metal overdue stamp is coming down, crushing the room, and it's just about to get her, but Robin's able to pull her away. From there, let's see, they go to get Beast Boy, who actually has been hypnotized. <laughs> um, he's just a drooling mess. Um, they can't wake him up. Uh, but as they're trying to wake him up, like uh, some chemicals and acids start filling the room. Uh, they're able to get out of there. Uh, so they're, they, they take a little breather. Starfire's yelling at him, doing just all this crazy stuff. Nothing's working. Eventually, Raven and Cyborg show up. They tell us what their predicaments were, but we never really see them in their predicaments. But we find out that Raven's uh, punishment was to go join gym class. So, yeah. <laughs> She's even got the outfit still on, you know? Yep. Um, what do you call it? Uh, let's see. So uh, they're trying to figure out how to wake Beast Boy up, and uh, Cyborg goes, let me try. And he just, like, burps in BB's ear. Starts cracking <laughs> up. The guy the guy wakes up. Uh, so the Titans are all together again. They're, they're running around this crazy place trying to get at the Mad Mod. There's just some zany, wacky, crazy shit that I can't even begin to explain that's going on. In the meantime, BB is constantly getting rehypnotized. 
they're constantly having to unhypnotize him by giving him don't they give him a wet willy at one point or something? No, no, no. Cyborg gives Raven a wet willy. That's and... right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so yeah, they're 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 fighting, 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 and uh, at one point, one of the Mad Mods' is, uh, weapons like tears a hole in the wall, and it turns out it's a screen. Uh, Robin's like, you know what, enough of this shit. And he jumps through the screen, and he finds the real Mad Mod, because I should say something I skipped, was he actually, before he jumped through the screen, he dove for the Mad Mod and his cane, because he figured out that the Mad Mod's cane um, was controlling this whole world. But it was a hologram, which somehow made Robin realize that the Mad Mod they've been fighting was a hologram too. That's how he was able to seemingly float and walk on ceilings and weird shit like that. That's when he jumps through the wall, finds the real Mad Mod, who's considerably older than his holographic form. He's probably in his, like, 60s or 70s. Uh, Robin, you know, there, there's no fight. Robin just takes him down, just basically drags him away, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. They they finally get out of this place while they're on the, while they're on the roof. They all climb up. The, yeah, they all climb up to the roof. And uh, BB's hypnotized for, like, the fifth time. Uh, there's this funny part where Starfire's dragging him up, and she's like, nothing's working. I've tried all manner of bodily noises. So Starfire farted at Beast Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not the only fart mention or that we're going to hear in this episode of WFP, by the way. There's yes. another one in Car Trouble. Um mm-hmm. Let's see, Beast Boy, of course. Oh, how did they wake Beast Boy up? Oh, Raven makes a joke about Beast Boy not having a brain, right? Yeah, yeah. Of all people. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, hey, that's funny. Hey, that's mean, you know? And uh, they just kind of take Mad Mod away, and that's it, right? Yeah, pretty much it. Okay, what are you thinking here? Uh, this is fun enough. Mm-hmm. It, it, I have to admit, it get, actually did give me a headache yeah. trying to watch this episode. Just yeah. all the all the white and black checkered shit it really did give me a headache at one point so i have to think that affected other people too yeah it was hard for me to watch the not necessarily the black and white background but like the swirly screens well yeah that yeah that's kind of what i was talking about yeah yeah yeah. but yeah no it's it's just goofy fun Hmm. which which is kind of strange that it follows such a serious (laughs) episode yeah yeah loved all the references in this episode just to uh, pop culture and whatnot. Yeah. We have uh, Ringo's Ringo Starr's car from the Yellow Submarine movie. Okay, um, that was great. Uh, we've got Mad Mod's face on Mona Lisa and <laughs> uh, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> um, just yeah, stuff like that. This it's great. Well, of course, you know, to hypnotize them, to brainwash them, their eyes are held open, like in a Clockwork Orange, and of course, mm-hmm. who voices the Mad Mod, but Malcolm McDowell. It was in a yep. clockwork orn, so there's a very clear reference there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of references that we just missed, either because we're too young or we're not British or whatever. There's just mm-hmm. so much craziness going on in this one. There's, we, It would take us multiple viewings to, to get it all and then to mention it all on the show. So forgive us if we don't mention something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of notes for this one, yeah. only because it's 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 a very repetitive episode. It, yeah. It's just the, the Titans running through this you know room, essentially. 
ginormous room that's just a big hologram, essentially. Yeah. Loved all the Beast Boy stuff, though. <laughs> that, that really made the episode. <laughs> yeah. Especially loved it when Starfire, like, lifts him onto the roof, and he's just like, and I even tried the word underpants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like earlier, when she got mad at him, when he didn't understand her alien joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's like, how many, like, gefarkles does it take to fill a perfunkle? And then she rattles <laughs> off some another alien word, and Beast Boy's just like, bah! and she kind of gets annoyed that he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, for me, this is just a crazy, funny, weird episode. It's so different from everything else this show has done that mm-hmm. I just have to love this one. Because this is this is another point where they were being really gutsy. Because the, the demographic of this show is not going to get what the hell is going on. They're too... This is an episode that was written for their parents. Yeah. Or even, like their parents' older siblings, you know, who grew up watching, like, Monty Python and other British comedies and programming. Uh, They're going to be like, oh, I get that joke there. That's good. That's good. You know, but the kids, they're going to be like, what the? They're going to look at their parents and be like, what the fuck are you smoking, dude? You know? (laughs) Not that they would Uh, say it that way, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. I marked out when uh, Mad Mod said, uh, hey, oi! No throwing things while teacher is talking. <laughs> yeah. He said, oi, yeah. that's awesome. I think that's the first oi in the DCAU, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was something I noted uh, when Starfire was about to get crushed, or after Robin saved her pardon from getting crushed by that overdue stampy thing, she then mm-hmm. says, uh, are all the schools on your planet this horrible? And I thought to myself, she's saying this to Robin. Considering who schooled him, this is a walk in the park, you know, yeah. <laughs> to Robin. This was like Tuesday night, you know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've done this shit before. Don't worry about it, hon. You know, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually even smiles when she says it. I know he's smiling because he thinks what she's saying is actually kind of funny because it is. But there's a part of me that wants to think he's smiling because he's like, oh, come on. Batman trained me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I loved. <laughs> Hello, Governor. <laughs> just he knows he's beat. He's just like just take the stereotype to the utmost. <laughs> yeah. This episode was written by Adam Beechin, who um, actually writes comic now. Is I want uh, comics now? I mean to say, I think he's actually written the Teen Titans comic for a little while too. But I could be wrong about that. Um. So that's a little factoid. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you notice the, the bust with the switch in it? Not yeah. unlike, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a mad mod bust, but it's not unlike, of course, the bust from the old Batman series. Um, and did, I don't know if they were going for this or not, but when Robin first escaped, okay. And there were like, if I remember correctly, like rockets or something were being shot at him. The music in the background, it sounds like break on through to me. Oh, by the uh, the doors? Yeah. But and it's like, I understand, like, maybe they were riffing that because of, you know, the era Mad Mod would come from. That makes sense. But the, the doors are an American band. They're not a British band. So why would they not use a, like, riff on some British music? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, but, but they ripped on the Beatles several times here. Well, so. <laughs> but the Beatles, I mean, they're the British band for most people, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, 
So, and I could be wrong about it, but, you know, it's like right before he jumps through a screen, so, you know, he's breaking on through, and it's just this, it's really subtle. It's it's almost, you can hear it, but you kind of have to pay attention to hear it. And I'm like, yeah. is that what they're going for? Because it sounds like it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I got to mention the Scooby-Doo reference where they're all running through all the doors. Oh, yeah, that's a great scene where, because it's the normal kind of chase sequence like that, but then they they start changing heights. Like, Cyborg gets really big, you know, Robin's really little, and the door opens the wrong way, not on the hinge, you know? And And then they finally get to the last door, and they open it. It's a dinosaur. That actually kind of freaked me out when I saw that. I forgot about it. (laughs) I was like, whoa, dinosaur head. Mad Mod reminds me a lot of Arcade from Marvel yeah, Comics. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not that dissimilar in, in terms of what he's doing and the setup and all that, sure. The M.C. Escher scene. Oh, you're right, yeah, with the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I, I would kick myself if I forgot that because I'm, <laughs> I'm a big Escher fan. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, because whenever it gets used, you you tend to bring it up. So I assumed you had to be a fan, you know. Because mm-hmm. where else have we seen it before in the DCAU? I know we have. Batman, when uh, he's trying to go up and stop Dr. Destiny. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, American Gothic was in there, too. I'm, I'm just thinking about all these. Mm, uh, I, I missed that one, okay. But I think, again, I think it was one where Mad Mod, like, uh, put his head onto the heads of the <laughs> two, the, the man and his wife in yeah, the painting. yeah. <laughs> I, I just remembered uh, the Copper Tone ad uh, spoke uh, sp- <gasps> with Beast Boy. Oh, yeah, what was it? It was Beast Boy as a dog pulling down... Like a gorilla's underwear or something? No, I think it was uh, the, the, the not Clayface. The sludgy guy. Oh, oh, oh um, uh, Plasmus? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be him. <laughs> I think so. But whoever it was, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Completely forgot about that. Drum roll, please. Ladies and gentlemen, and whatever Beast Boy is. Hey, Cyborg, you want a drum roll or not? Sorry. It is my great pleasure to present, for the first time anywhere, the thing you've all been waiting for, my coolest, hottest, baddest creation. Just get on with it. I give you the future of Titan's transportation, the one, the only... Yep, she's my baby. 100,000 horsepower plasma turbine engine, all-terrain hover jets, anti-lock air brakes, and an onboard computer that links with my systems, so I can literally feel the road. Whoa! Amazing! And of course, leather seats, power windows, and a booming stereo are all standard. We go now. You bet, Raven. I'll take you any place you want to go. The beach. The movies. The swamp moons of Drenthax 4. He said any place. Trouble. I'll drive. Next up is car trouble. In this one, Cyborg finishes building his dream machine, the T-car. It's basically him as a car. It looks exactly like him with the white and the blue paneling, and uh, he's showing it off to the Titans, and Raven is completely disinterested, uh, whereas the other three are all like, ooh, this is awesome. Um, so the, suddenly the Titans get a distress alert from an electronics store, so Cyborg's like, let's go. 
<laughs> and um, so they get to this electronic store, and uh, all the way there, Cyborg wants to show off all the the, sh- the cool shit he's put into this thing, but Robin's like, "Wait, there it is! Stop the car!" And Cyborg's all like, "Aw." <laughs> so they get into the store, and uh, oh, I should mention that uh, when Cyborg Cyborg is of course the last person to leave the car, and he talks to these two kind of greaser looking dudes um, standing out there just schmoozing, I guess. I don't know. But like, and he's just like, Oh, I almost forgot to put the alarm on. And we see these two guys as he runs off, look at each other like, uh, huh, we know what we're about to do. So inside the building, there's this new villain called overload. Who's basically just a living computer chip that can turn into a being of pure electrical energy. He's just trash in the place. And, uh, um, when they 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 do defeat him eventually by by dousing him with water, and uh, when they come back outside, lo and behold, the T car is gone, and Cyborg is freaking out. From here on out, the rest of this episode is just Cyborg trying to track down the T car as it makes its way into worse and worse hands. <laughs> uh, first, those two greaser dudes take it to a racetrack. They win the race, but the the other driver was gizmo in disguise and he just easily takes it from him. <laughs> he's a gizmo in disguise because he was like a transformer huh huh, get uh-huh. It? Yeah, huh? yeah i get it <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> um so gizmo just takes the car from them and he starts going joyriding all over town using it as a <laughs> wait i love the fact that he's so small that he can't reach the wheel or the pedal so he's jacked in a remote like a game state like a playstation controller uh-huh. I almost had a game station controller, which is their the in continuity system. You know? <laughs> but I love that that he's too tiny to drive. <laughs> yep. And Cyborg later is like, Are you even old enough to drive? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, Cyborg gets to the track, he uh finds the two guys and they tell him that this guy named Gizmo took it and he just leaves them there for the cops to get them. And uh he he and Raven end up meeting up somewhere and they track down Gizmo and they have this mountainside car chase scene, and the T car ends up in a head-on collision with a police van and just totals the car. Uh, and the police van was holding none other than Overload, so he gets free, and he takes control of the T car. <laughs> just one thing after another. And Overload actually reassembles the car into perfect, pristine form, only with him controlling it. He flat out says to Cyborg, the only way to stop me is to destroy your precious car. So Cyborg just lifts his arm and just says, it's not my car anymore. He blasts it to hundreds of thousands of pieces. No. Yeah. And uh, Raven comforts Cyborg later, saying that it, you know, it wasn't that what made the car special was, you know, that just that piece of himself that he put into it. And she. She means this literally and figuratively because she points to the ground and Cyborg sees the computer processor that he installed in the car. It's still in one piece, and the end of the episode is him getting to work on a new one. With Raven's help. I know earlier you said not a great episode, and I agree with you. Did I say that? I don't think I said that. I thought I I said I took some issue with them stealing a car to go retrieve a stolen car. When we were talking about Titans bonding Mm -hmm. together during the first episode, you said we're going to come back to this again later. Not in a great episode, but. Okay, I did. I did say that. Right. Yeah. Wow. I can't remember what I said an hour ago. Wow. That's my life, people. (laughs) Yep. Me too. Me too. I have Um, the short 
short-term memory of a fruit fly. So, well, when I, when I said that, that wasn't meant to imply that I didn't like the episode. It's just a very simple episode. You know what I'm saying? When I say yeah. not great, at least in that context, I really meant it's, you know, it's not Apprentice. It's not the end. It's nothing epic. It's nothing you're really going to remember, but it has some good, nice moments between Raven and Cyborg. And I really do like the way all of the various plots in this one come back. As you said, Overload comes back. The two, you know, greaser thugs they come back because they're in the they're in the police van that gets knocked over they came up with a really nice way to just bring it all together and you know cyborg as you said he has to destroy his baby his car to to save the day and it's it's sad for him to do that so so that was really nice to see just that kind of character development of him of him letting go of this thing that meant a lot to him and yeah the the you know when raven and cyborg sat down in front of the burger joint. And he's got like 18 milkshake cups in front of him or whatever. <laughs> and they start talking and she's explaining how when she uses her power, she literally has to put a piece of her soul into each thing she throws around and she can feel it. They become her. You know, that kind of, you know, it doesn't feel that great, really. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. Um, so she does know where, you know, she doesn't understand the attachment to a vehicle, but she understands being attached to something. So yeah, yeah, again, nothing nothing epic, nothing terribly memorable, but I do think it's a good episode. So pardon my warning earlier when I had said in not a great episode, or whatever it was I said. Well, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of this episode, but again, I I don't dislike it uh, like nearly as much as, uh, was it Deep Six? Mm, okay, um, yeah. But it, like, it's like you said, this is a very simple episode, but it's not... At least it's not like linear because yeah. it's got it's it, one thing. You never another. know where it's gonna go. You don't. No, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it does. It does. It really does come full circle, and it, it was really it was well done. I have to give it that. Mm -hmm. um, I've got two notes for this episode <laughs> as a whole, and we've already mentioned one. It's just another. It's another great bonding episode for two of the Titans, and it's it's two of them that you would never really expect to you know really hang out together or anything because normally when you see cyborg beast boy is around yeah not not raven because they're so dissimilar and it was it was nice it was kind of a neat dynamic i have to ask did you uh think of ghostbusters when you heard the words proton cannon <laughs> i didn't but i should have shouldn't i have <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i should have thought about that <laughs> I love that line, too, when the cars, the, the T-car is about to shoot them in the stolen car. And he's like, booyah, check out my baby's proton cannon. And Raven looks at him, he's like, I mean, oh, no. <laughs> it's just the way yep. he says, I mean, oh, I'm, no. That's really I mean, funny. I mean, oh, no. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> we're, we're about to get blasted. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, Gizmo farts in Cyborg's face. Yeah. He just doesn't shake his butt. There's a farty noise and everything. It's it's DJ Rubber Ducky all over again with the farty noises. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like Gizmo. He's such a little douchebag. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> yeah. And I forgot it was him in this episode. I'm like, who's in this little fucking tiny car? And then he stands up, and I'm like, oh, my God, he used a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you happen to notice... In the background of one scene, I actually think it might pop up twice, there's a billboard with a red, I think it's a red M on it, and there's like 
there's like it's partially white and partially red the the entire billboard did you notice that I think I know what you're talking about. Something about about that billboard made me think of Marlboro cigarettes. Huh. I don't know if they ever... I tried looking up to see if they ever had a design like that, and I couldn't come up with anything. But to me, I don't know. I'm not saying that's what they were going for, but uh, I'd like to know if any of the other... Anybody else out there sees that and thinks... Has thought. not They don't think it now because I've brought it up, but thought before I brought it up that it made them think of, you know, those smokes. Um, oh, there's a reference to Metropolis. Yes. And it's almost said in the same way as the reference to Gotham City. You yeah, know, it is. It's pretty much the same line. Yeah, last time he had the rocket on his back, that being Cyborg, and said, I was, like, I, I was almost halfway to Gotham City. And here mm-hmm. he says about the car is almost halfway to Metropolis. So, I mean, I like that because, you know, as people, we repeat, we repeat phrases and words all the time. You know, yeah. huh, huh, you know, see, I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I just did it unintentionally. Oh, my God. Um, huh? Huh? <laughs> but, yep. uh, you know, we just tweak them slightly. And that's what that's what he was doing there. So it, it, it worked for me. And again, you know, they're reminding us that, again, whether you believe it's in continuity or not, it's in some sort of continuity. Nanoscopic probes. The chronoton detonator was merely the bait for a much larger trap. You see, with the push of a button, my probes will destroy your friends from the inside out. You can't control them. No matter what you threaten, they'll never obey you. This isn't about your friends, Robin. It's about you. It's always been about you. What? Sending trouble your way, leaving cryptic clues for you to unravel. I was testing you. For some time now, I have been searching for an apprentice. Someone to follow in my footsteps. And Robin, I've chosen you. Congratulations. No way would I ever work for... If you join me, if you swear to serve me, If you never speak to your friends again, I will allow them to live. But if you disobey even the smallest request, I will annihilate them, Robin, and I'll make you watch. So, do we have a deal? Next up is the two-part apprentice. And I'm going to synopsize this one, James, unless you object, the way we would do the Justice League two-parters. Talk sounds about one, or synopsize one, talk about it, synopsize the second, talk about that. Um, oh, sounds good to me. Okay, so, uh, shoot, how did this one start out? I think Robin's in his little den thing, lamenting, no, no okay, it starts out with him having a dream, actually, about mm-hmm. fighting Slade on, like, some sort of clifftop, and, you know, they're destroying all these rocks, you know, just these pillars of rock, and uh, Robin, he eventually gets the upper hand on Slade, and he unmasks him. Or before, I think before he unmasks him, maybe, Slade's all like, yeah, you know, you only destroy what you love. And Robin looks around at this, the, the, the rubble, and it's like, it, it turns out they were like all statues of his friends. He rips the mask off, and it's a very Luke in the cave on Dagobah when he, 
you know, when Vader's mask comes off and it's him, oh no, you know, that's what's going on here. Robin's very fearful that he will become Slade because people keep pointing out that he and Slade are not dissimilar. And in this episode that keeps coming up, Slade brings it, brings it up a lot as a matter of fact. So Robin's having this nightmare and then Cyborg comes into his room and he's like, hey, it's Slade, we gotta go. They go out to the, you know, like the, the front room basically and, uh, you know, it's like five in the morning and Beast Boy is complaining that he's being waken up by this jerk, you know, and <laughs> Slade reveals that he has, what's it called, a chroniton or? Yeah, chroniton bomb. Yeah, and uh, if the Titans don't find it in a set amount of time or whatever, he's going to set set it off, and uh, they have to explain to Beast Boy and the audience what this bomb is, and uh, what will it do? It'll just stop time within a certain radius, right? Yeah, permanently. Right. And uh, so, so they set out to, f or before, you know, they're like, well, what do we do? And Raven notes that there's a reflection on the surface. And uh, when she enhances the image, image and then reverses it, it says Pier 41. So they go to Pier 41, but this bomb isn't there. But there's like hundreds of the Slade bots there. And uh, the Titans go to engage them. But Robin, he's so pissed off at Slade that he just doesn't let his friends get a single punch or energy bolt or whatever in he just takes them all out and uh you know they're like well what are we gonna do how, how are we gonna find this thing um you know at this uh what do you call it does the start no starfire doesn't sneeze at that point i'll get back to that robin sees a guy walking around and he, he grabs him it's just a guy who works on the dock it's just some schlub you know and he throws him against the wall really hardcore and he puts uh, like a Slade emblem that must have been left behind or something into this guy's face. He's like, do you know what this means? Blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, dude, I just work here. Leave me alone. And Raven actually has to pull Robin off the guy and is like, look, he's just a guy. He's nobody. Let him go. And uh, at this point, again, they're lamenting, how are they going to trace this thing? Because they can't just run around the city looking for it. They'll never find it. And uh, Starfire sneezes and she's like, oh, pardon me. I'm allergic to chromium, I think she says, you know? Yeah. And she's like, all my people are. And uh, Cyborg's like, wait, but chromium's a major part of, like, what it would take to make a, cro a, what, a, a crouton bomb, as Beast Boy <laughs> called it, you know? And so they realize that their detector is this sneezing, allergic starfire. So uh, they, they, they end up in the sewers uh, looking for this thing. At one point, uh, uh, Cinderblock rips through a wall, drags Robin away, and Robin's like, look... You guys go stop that bomb because they see the bomb on a boat driven by a slave bot. Uh, Raven, Raven, excuse me, Robin is fighting uh, Cinderblock. You know, the, the other Teen Titans, they're trying to get to the bomb. Uh, Robin takes out Cinderblock, and when he does, in Cinderblock's hand is uh, basically like a little... A GPS, basically, for the dim-witted Cinderblock to find his way back to Slade. Uh, Robin grabs it. He goes to confront Slade. And uh, they start fighting, and, uh, you know, the other guys, they, 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 they get to this bomb. They're freaking out because it starts to arm itself, and uh, they, it looks like they've deactivated it. But then, oh, no, it's, it's really going to go off. But then it just sort of, like, crumbles and falls apart, and they're like, what the hell? Was this thing a dud? Well, from behind them, this little cannon pops up, and it shoots them all. But they seem okay. They're just knocked into the water. You know, they're, they're not hurt. And Slade reveals to Robin, because they can see this on the screens, that they are not, in fact, okay. That the energy beams that hit them injected them with some sort of nanites. And if Slade presses one button, they will die. 
unless Robin does exactly what Slade says, and that's become his apprentice. And Robin reluctantly agrees, and um, Slade tells him, he's like, you can never utter a single word to your friends again, or I'm going to press that button. And that pretty much does the first episode, right? Oh, yeah. What you thinking? Oh, my God, this is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, as a general note for this whole two-parter, the fight scenes alone are worth watching this episode. Yeah. If Even if you didn't pay an iota of attention to the really awesome storyline going on throughout it, this would be... This episode would be a seven just for the fight scenes. <laughs> and uh, really, it was pretty hardcore that they got away with showing the bloodstreams of the four titans. Right, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if that really is something they could have gotten away with, but it, they did. So that, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words how much I love this <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I only wrote down six notes for all for both of the parts because yeah. I was watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, watching it, watching it, not watching it with a critical eye as we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every once in a while. Yeah. For this first part, all I wrote down is how very Batman esque Robin is here. Yes. The the very dark nature, the even on a team acting independently, he knows his partners can take care of these robots, but he's not going to let it happen. Um, you know, roughing up the guy on the pier, kind of having to be pulled away because he's starting. He's not going to cross the line, but he is crossing a line um, and he just needs to be reasoned with, but he's just not going to hear it, you know. And the other note I wrote down for this one is, oh, my God. Slade is so fucking sadistic. Yes. And I love the fact that for both of these two parts, until we really get to the end of the second part, he, like, shows pretty much no emotion. He's very level, very even, you know? I mean, even when the door blows up, when Robin comes in, he doesn't even flinch, doesn't blink, doesn't nothing, you know? Um, He's just very matter-of-fact, no, you're going to do this, because if you don't... This is what's going to happen. You know, doesn't yep. show anger, doesn't show pleasure. He just is. You know, there's a party that wants to call him Zen, but I don't know if he is Zen. But again, so I'm just going to say very even. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he really is Joker just without the mono- the mania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just totally taking pleasure in the misery and pain of others. Yeah, yeah. When you were talking about crossing the you know V line, um, but he crossed A line, it reminded me of um, oh God, what, I always forget the name of the episode um, from Gotham Knights where Robin finally leaves. Uh, over the edge. No, 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 not over the edge. Um, oh yeah, that's the one old where Batgirl wounds, dies, quote unquote, dies, right? Old wounds. Old wounds that was yeah, yeah, yeah. It it kind of reminded me of how Robin saw Batman just threatening this poor guy and. And that was part of what led him to leave. Right, and, uh, yeah. Call back. So if you think, if you are like us, believing that Teen Titans is in continuity, there might be a little link there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the only way it would fit, we've reasoned, it has to take place before BTAIs. Right. So right. there could be that sort of, Robin did it first, then he sees Batman do it years later, and that's why he eventually really quit. 
Because at this point, we find out that there's a split, there's a rift between them, but we have to we have to reason that he went back to, yeah. to Bruce probably about the time he was in college and then quit again when he was in college. So, yeah, he saw something he did all those years ago, didn't like it when he did it, so he doesn't like his mentor, his father, doing it. I, I honestly don't know what else to say about this one. I have, I have no notes, and... Uh, <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's bad. Obviously, it just means uh, no. <laughs> I, I watched it for for pleasure, and not, I mean, I watch all these for pleasure, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't want to shortchange it, but I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's just maybe maybe because I feel the same way as you, and I'm going to say the same thing. It, people really get how just <laughs> epic this episode is, and how much we enjoyed it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I I, I hope. If we move on to the next episode in a in a minute or two here, without saying too much about this first part, people aren't mad because it's just it's it's almost overwhelming to to talk about it. You know. Oh 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 oh! Something I completely forgot to mention, and I think this is the very very end of the episode. Um, the it might be the last line of the episode that Slade says, where he says, "I know it seems bad now, but trust me, you'll learn to like it." Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's like. That's something that, like, a sadistic, you know, child molester would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you consider Slade's past, and, I mean, <laughs> in the comics, he slept with Tara. Yep. Who wasn't exactly legal, so. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't remember them ever getting really, in, really getting into that in the cartoon, but maybe you could read between the lines there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, should I get onto the second part, or do you want to... Yeah, let's let's do it. Maybe we'll think of something else. Okay, yeah, if we think of anything, we'll come back to the first part for sure. But the second part starts with a robbery at a tech company. Um, it's very, you know, the, the criminal's in silhouette, but it's very clear that it's Robin's silhouette. Um, uh, he steals some sort of, like, little arm cannon doohickey thingamabob, and uh, he runs out, and he's confronted by the four other titans. And uh, they still can't see who it is just yet. He runs to, like, they're on top of a building, and he runs to, like, uh, there's, like, these, like, I don't know, like, these bridges or something, spires? I don't know, something that go nowhere. He runs out to the edge of one of them, and at that point, it's they, they see that it's Robin, and they're all like, Robin, oh, no, what you doing? And, you know, he has no choice. Slade keeps telling them, if you talk to them, I will kill them. I'm going to do it. Fight them, really fight them. So he, uh, you know, he starts blasting them all crazy. He starts shooting at the ground to separate them from him. And uh, eventually Robin's able to get away. And the Titans are just like, what the hell was that? What is going on? And, uh, uh, you know, I think it's some, I think this is where we kind of cut back to Slade's hideout. And he tells Robin, you know, you know, thank you for doing this, you're good, blah, 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 you know, and I, I was reading your life signs during that, and you got excited, your endorphins were up, you actually kind of liked being a criminal. Um, what else does he say? He, he says, basically, you know, over time, Robin will start to see him as a father, and Robin's like, I already have a father, and we cut, and all these bats are flying up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going on, I think, here. Oh, is, do, do, they, do they have a fight here? Does Robin try to attack him? Well, I think he tries to throw a punch at him, but, you know, Slade just grabs his wrist and bends, you yeah. know, just 
martial arts, very martial arts style, and just you know wrenches his arm back, almost actually almost you know, wrestling style. Yeah. And doesn't he commend him for being underhanded and dastardly too for trying yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's just trying to get into Robin's head, saying, "Look, we are the same. You know, get over yourself." Um, at some point, we cut back to Titans Tower, and the Titans are like, "Look, we don't know what Robin's up to, but he's a criminal now. He's legit stole this thing. We caught him." And if he's a criminal, that means we have to take him down. And Starfire doesn't want to believe it. She has to believe he's doing something else. But they saw him do it. It's it's true. They saw him do it. I, I don't know if it's like the next day or whatever. Uh, Robin is robbing another place. What's he trying to get? Do we even know what he's trying to get? I don't, it doesn't even matter because he doesn't get it. And uh, when he's trying to run away, he makes to the rooftop where there's a, a giant white sign on there with five letters. Starts with W, ends in Ain. And uh, <laughs> they're very clear to never show Wayne um, at the same time. But you see every letter in it. And the building does say Enterprises on the side, too. Um, there's this big, big fight between Robin and the Titans up there. And, you know, he's fighting them, but he's he's kind of holding back, and Slade gets in his ear, and he says, no, use the, the cannon, the, the little arm cannon that you sold. I forget what it was called, you know. Use, thermal blaster. That's it, the thermal blaster that I attached to your arm. Use that on Starfire, basically. And Robin doesn't want to do it, and he actually he powers down, and he says, Star. And uh, because he uttered just one word to his friends... Slade activates the little activates, pardon me, the devices in their body, and they don't die, but they are dying. And Slade says, "Do it, do it, do it!" You know, he's he's really getting pissed at Robin, and so it appears that Robin does shoot Starfire. She's already downed at this point because again, the thing's going through her system. It appears that he shoots her, but we never see it. I kind of get the impression that he missed her, mm-hmm. you know, because she seems kind of surprised to be waking up. So uh, Robin's gone by that point. Uh, the Titans, they go back to the tower. And because of what just happened, you know, they start scanning Beast Boy's blood. They're just using him as the guinea pig, you know, probably because he's the animal and could turn into a guinea pig. And they <laughs> they realize that these little nan- nanite things are in their bloodstream. And um, I think it's Starfire that says, basically, see, I, I was right. Robin is being forced into this. You know, if if we... It's very, you know, she figures out that if Robin doesn't do what Slade says, he's going to kill us. And the Titans are like, you know what? Fuck it. He's our friend. We got to go save him. Um, how do they track Slade down? That I don't know. I don't know if it's said. Maybe I'm just not remembering. Maybe but... maybe they somehow trace the communicator that he left in the hideout. Yeah. I, I really I really have no idea. But what, if that was the case, why didn't they just do that from the, be- the beginning? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, Robin shows back up to the headquarters, and uh, he tells Slade, you know what, I quit, man. I- I'm not dealing with this. Uh, they start to have just a huge fight. Um, Robin's really getting his ass kicked, truly. But he's, I mean, he's holding his own, but he's going to lose this fight, you know? And, uh, you know, he's, he's about to give in to Slade again, if I remember correctly, wasn't he? Yeah, he's just like, no, I'll do whatever you want, just... Please don't hurt them, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and the Titans bust in, and Robin's like, no, you don't understand. you got to get out of here. And they're like, no, we understand, and we don't care. Is this the point where they start all unleashing on Slade? Yeah. No, because well, Slade, activate, Slade oh, activates the thing again. Okay, I thought they unleashed on him, and then he activated. But you're right, yeah. He, he activates. No, they unleash on him. Because Slade just walks away at the end. No, I'm, but, like, when they burst in, 
right, you know, like you said, Robin begs them to stop, and they say, "No, we don't care. You're our friend, and we're not leaving without you." And uh, Slade just walks up and says, "Oh, how noble!" He presses the button, and they all start to suffer again. Oh, okay. And and at at that point, Robin mm-hmm. he he doesn't know what to do, so he goes up to the device yeah. that put the nanites in them, and he grabs the device and gets the nanites in himself. Yeah, and then he walks up to Slade. You know, he's all glowy like everybody else, and he walks up to Slade. And he says, well, here are your options. You either let them live or you kill us all. And I know how much you hate to lose because he'd lose Robin. He'd lose his apprentice. Slade rips off the the little button trigger thingy on his arm and just throws it down. And uh, do they attack? Yeah, that's right. They do beat the shit out of him. Yeah, because Slade tries to attack Robin, but Robin is ready for him. He grabs his leg. Yeah. Yeah, it gives him a nice little smirk and everything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they go hardcore. I mean, Beast Boy, I think, is a tiger, just, like, almost guts him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they are not holding back at this point. They are going to murder this guy. And, uh, you know, as the fight is progressing, Slade's mask keeps getting cracked. And eventually, the black side of the mask, the mask without the eye hole, um, falls off. And uh, Slade goes to, you know, he covers his face so we don't see it. And he goes to run away, but not before he, you know, before he does, he actually triggers a uh, self-destruct system. Because, of course, all evil villains, (laughs) as if there's good villains, uh, have self-destruct buttons in their lair. And uh, the Titans flee. uh, But before they do, Cyborg actually grabs the device, the, the, the cannon thingy that shot them earlier and that Robin grabbed to infect himself. He grabs that. They get out of there. Uh, they find a way, you know, they're back at the Titans uh, Tower. They've clearly found a way to uh, undo what Slade had done to them. And uh, they are all healthy. And uh, I know there's a little bit at the end I'm missing here. What is it? Robin uh, and Starfire have a moment. Starfire apologizes to Robin. And Robin's like, what are you sorry for? <laughs> and she's like, you know, I, I doubted you, but... Robin's like, no, I doubted myself, and uh, it's and you know it's true. Slade and Ari really are alike, which you never expected to hear him say. Right, and yeah. It was it was really cool to hear him actually admit that. Yeah. But he's like, but you know what? He he and I aren't aren't all that much alike because he has no friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then they have this massive breakfast feast or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a little thing there. Like they they go to like Cyborg and Beast Boy drag Raven off, and at first. Like, she, she doesn't want to go, you could tell. But then, the further they get away from the camera, the way they drew her mouth, it actually looks like she's laughing. But then they cut back to her, and she's bored as shit as they're, like, arguing over <laughs> soy milk and soy bacon, and no, there's not meat and soy, because it's soy, you know? <laughs> no, there's no meat and tofu, it's tofu! <laughs> yeah. Then nobody wants it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's this one. So, what are you thinking of this second part? Holy shit, I love this episode. Did I mention that before? <laughs> yeah. God, I just... From the moment where Robin says, I already have a father, mm-hmm. just, this episode owns on so many levels. Yeah. And uh, just, it's... I'm, it's probably going to be repeating of what we said in the first <laughs> part of this. It's just gush, 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 gush. Mm. And uh, when Slade rips that controller off of his wrist, you just know it's on. Yeah. The, Titans are ready for him, and they just... You can just feel the rage being let loose on this guy. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Um, 
all my notes were said during the synopsis. <laughs> Again, I don't know what to say about this really good episode. I mean, maybe it's because I'm so tired. I don't know. Okay, what what I will say is I like the fact that they didn't capture Slade. The Titans yeah. won, but he is off, and you know he's going to be back. Oh, yeah. You know, how soon that is, nobody knows, of course. But, uh... Yeah, I really appreciate the fact that he wasn't, like, sent off to jail or the asylum or killed yet. Um, <laughs> but he gets better. Um, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, and then he does really get better after the sort of, though. Yeah, I mean, I, that that was a real bonus for me. Because I don't always want to see the villain get caught. You know, I, want, I usually want to see the heroes win. But, you know, I slayed. No, I, I really don't think he should be caught by the Titans, really, ever. They can get the upper hand, but he should almost always get away. Because that's just how smart he is, you know? Yeah. He's, you know, arguably the greatest assassin in, on the face of the planet. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What else? <laughs> My God, I, I just, I, I feel like you. I'm just like, well, shit. Yeah. I don't <laughs> This is just one of those ones where I want to be like, people, go watch it. Don't make Seriously. us do the work. You do the work for once, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Put the onus on you guys. Yeah. You write in and let us know what you thought. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we meant to say that. Yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, there you go. You can feel Robin's torment every oh, time he sees his friends. And he can't explain to them why he's doing this. And when you think about what happened in Red X, they're, you know, they're thinking, what the hell is going on with this guy? He's good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. What the hell? You know, he knows he was building up the trust with them one more time, and he's blowing it again. But he can't tell them that he's blowing it to save their lives. Mm -hmm. And you can just feel his pain. It's so powerful. Oh, man. And my favorite scene, I don't even think, was when they were beating the shit out of Slade, even though I loved it. It was when Star confronted Robin on the neon sign up there on top of Wayne Enterprises, and she just points her her glowing uh, yeah. hand at him. And she's like, I, you know, I don't want to fight you. You're my best friend. And if, I can't live in a world where we have to be enemies. Mm -hmm. So if you have to shoot me, then do it. Just wow. Yeah. And the way the buildup to that is animated is really cool with star lifting her hand. It glows green. Robin's got his gun up. It's glowing red. And they do like, I got it, it seemed very anime-ish to me the way they like get closer on her eyes and then you know they're the very way they're panning so. it all and then they do the same on Robin and then she says what you said that she said yeah the the way it's directed the way it's acted the way it's written is excellent yeah yeah again more great voice mm -hmm, acting mm -hmm. um and there was something else I think I wanted to mention about that part but damn it I can't remember what it is oh well yeah <laughs> Uh, I really don't know what else to say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I gotta tell you. Oh, you know what? I was gonna mention something. This, I, I wish this hadn't come along so soon, uh, because I want, I actually was wanting to work on a new Titans music video, mm -hmm. uh, that focuses on this episode and the Red X episode. Uh -oh. So, just furthering my, my, um, devious plan to make everybody think that this is such a dark show <laughs> yeah never do one for the mad mod episode or oh, you no, know, no, no. or, or <laughs> cyborg in his car episode you know not entirely light but it's it's lighthearted for the most part you know yeah 
Besides yeah. the sense of loss and the decision he has to make at the end to blow it up, it's still a fun, light episode. <laughs> but yeah, just focus on the end and Apprentice and Red X and yeah. 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 Prophecy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just, that, that scene reminded me of it because it's just, it's definitely going, to, I'm going to do that video at some point. It's just, and that will be a big part of it. So I, I love, I just love that scene so much. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this one? I'm sure there is, but, you know, it's probably just more gushing. Yeah. Should we get to our scores then? <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Okay. Let's see. Where did we start? Ah, switched. Wow. I just, I love this episode. I don't know. It, I don't want to overgrade it or feel like I'm overgrading it, but I'm um, I'm going to give it a nine. Be, and with the only gripe being they opened that crate with no address on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm giving it a nine. Okay, I'm going to give that one an eight. Uh, deep six. Again, I really, really don't like this episode, but I did raise it a point mm-hmm. while we were talking because I, one of my big gripes was Beast Boy just overall, but... Mm-hmm. I, Again, I understand where he's coming from there, and he is—he just is immature. So, I'm gonna give it a four, okay. even though I really don't want to. <laughs> okay, I'm giving this one a seven. <laughs> uh, masks. I'll give that one an eight. It's also getting an eight from me. Mad mod or detention? Detention. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a six. Just goofy fun. That's a nine from me. Really? That's how much wow. fun I had with that one, yeah. You know, yeah, I do. I kind of do feel like I'm undergrading it because I loved all of the um, all the references. You know what? I'm going to raise it to a seven oh. just because of all those references. It was That was great. Car Trouble. Uh, uh, four or five. I'll give it a five. Just average. A f- seven? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I love it when we do this. This doesn't happen enough. No, no. And um, Apprentice, which we said nothing about except, wow, you know? <laughs> uh, ten? Yeah, exactly. Uh, new deal, Slade. If I lose my friends, you lose your apprentice. And I know how you hate to lose. Uh, can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP-0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. earth-number2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss six more episodes of Teen Titans. Those being How Long is Forever, Every Dog Has His Day, Terra, Only Human, Fear Itself, and Date with Destiny. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 